Today on the John Krasinski Show, let's see if we can get John to be as blunt as Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly becoming a TV star uh, in front of our eyes and perhaps in his own mind, but he is an interesting dude to watch. Let's talk about Pat Bev. Let's talk about Carl Anthony Towns, the NBA playoffs. I have a couple of interesting sidelights to throw at John as well. Hey, you know the deal. This is the John Krasinski Show, part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. Brandon Morton's our producer. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. Find all the shows in the archives at TalkNorth.com. We recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It's easy. Thanks to Head Flyer Brewing, TSR Injury Law, and All Energy Solar. So let's start there. Pat Bev on TV. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? That's right, Jim. I mean, you talk about, and not only just Pat Bev on TV, but the absolutely perfect day for Pat yes. Bev to be on TV, his nemesis, his rival, his the thorn in his side, the guy that maybe he dislikes playing against uh, as much as anybody in the league, Chris Paul, uh, his sons go out in just 41 donut style, embarrassing fashion um, in on Sunday in game seven against Dallas at home. And there is Pat Bev in the morning on get up on ESPN. And then he goes on to first take. On ESPN, he'll probably be on all the shows uh, after his performance because he <laughs> emptied the clip on Chris Paul and basically, you know, just you know, saying that you know he's a he's a cone uh, from a defensive uh, perspective. He, you know, he's he you know is asking why doesn't Chris Paul get criticized the same way James Harden does or Kyrie Irving <laughs> or others? Like it was just a. It, I mean, it was a lion sinking his teeth into a porterhouse. Uh, it was it, it was pretty uh, pretty impressive turn, and I'm sure that it's the kind of thing that will get him getting called back to ESPN over and over again here. Uh, no doubt. At ESPN, they call it the car wash, where they just go from one show to another show to another show to a podcast to radio show to TV show to TV show. It's uh, it's always been a funny expression. And Pat Bev uh, turned on the jets in the car wash. Uh, did he say anything else that jumped out at you? Anything that uh, gave you any more insight into either him or the Timberwolves? Yeah, you know, it, it was mostly not not really. I mean, we <laughs> it was not a surprise that he kind of took the flamethrower out. Uh, th this is kind of the Pat Bev that we have gotten used to. He very much has an edge. He very much does not care what you think of what he says. Um, and so that makes him incredibly compelling on television, you know, in an interview situation. You know, there were times this season, Jim, where, um, you know, we would have him after a game in the press conference and he'd have a, a, a real edge to to his answers to the questions from us and you know you know us like we're not exactly the new york media in terms of like combative and 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 disrespectful or anything with the way that we frame questions and the way that we we go about things but he still had that kind of an edge like it's us against the world mentality and sometimes i kind of would scratch my head walking out of there like what is he mad at? Like, what, what, what is going on here? But that's Patrick Beverly. He has this just eternal chip on his shoulder. And that is why he has made it as far as he has. That is why he's had the career that he has. He's been an underdog his whole life. He looks at Chris Paul as sort of the chosen one, as the, 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 the class favorite, the one that uh, rarely gets sort of the heat uh put on him and 
you know, Chris Paul certainly has received plenty of criticism over the years for his lack of success in the playoffs. But once they made the finals last year with Phoenix, certainly getting to the second round, winning 64 games in the regular season this year, I think Patrick Beverly looked at that and said, you know, this guy isn't what you all think he is. Now, again, you may disagree with that, and I may disagree with that. I think ter- Chris Paul is a terrific player. But the way that he goes about his business, sort of the way that he can be a little dirty, a little sneaky, um, kind of, you know, a a lot of that sort of methodology behind the way that he plays the game. Uh, Patrick Beverly does not like that. That stuff does not get sort of covered the same way if someone else does it like Patrick Beverly, if he does it. So I think like him just trying to really bring to light what he views as hypocrisy in the way that he is covered versus the way that Chris Paul is covered was kind of the most enjoyable thing for me to watch. Now, here's the, here's the thing is, would it be easy for Chris Paul to say, man, you're just mad at me because I made the finals last year and you didn't because I scored 41 on you in the, to, to eliminate the Clippers last uh, playoffs and, and, and got the better of you. You're just mad because you're at home or, you know, you're, you got bounced in the first round and I'm, you know, we were still around in the second round. This is all sour grapes. Uh, that may be very true, but uh, this is not anything that is actually new either. Like this is a long running grudge that Patrick Beverly has had against Chris Paul. And now he is getting the platform and the megaphone to use it. And I think that a lot of people are very much enjoying watching kind of him get in Stephen A. Smith's face and say, hey, wait a minute, why don't you give it to Chris Paul after he loses by 40 in a game seven at home like you would have done to James Harden or you would have done to Kevin Durant or you would have done to this guy or that guy. And um, and so so that was just uh, that quite an enjoyable experience watching all of that play out over over this morning. No doubt. I want to talk more about Paul and the final four in the NBA. I think it's been a fascinating and really fun playoffs. Let's hit a few more Timberwolves topics before we get to the NBA at large, though. And Carl Anthony Towns both gets uh, nominated for a humanitarian award in the NBA, and he has, it sounds like, multiple surgeries. Can you give us a good general update on what's going on with Carl? Yeah. So first of all, yeah, he was nominated. Um, let me get it right in front of me. So I have mm-hmm. the right the thing yet yeah, for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar social justice champion award. And he's a finalist for the award with uh, several other players. He's, you know, kind of done a lot of work in this area, working with schools, working with underprivileged kids, working. Um, he, he donated a bunch of money uh, for a George Floyd Memorial Foundation. He uh, has been front and center in terms of advocacy for the COVID-19 vaccine and just kind of health awareness uh, around COVID-19. Um, and so, you know, he's just, he's he has constantly been uh, a big, big part of the community here in Minnesota. Um, he's done it for seven years this way. And he's, you know, kind of getting, I think, deservedly recognized for that. We'll see if he actually wins the award eventually. I think Fred Van Vliet, Jaron Jackson Jr., Drew Holiday, and Reggie Bullock are the other finalists. Um, And so they said that they're going to announce the winner in the Western Conference Finals at some point. And so, yeah, just a super cool honor for Cat to get. He It is well-deserved. He puts a lot of time and effort into the you know that side of the equation and so um 
you know, just to kind of see him recognized for that, I think that's a good thing. Um, and and kudos to him for that. Uh, you know, on the other front, he did post a picture this weekend on Instagram where he had a knee brace on, he had a wrist brace on, um, things of that nature. From what I understand and kind of talking to people about it, he didn't have any surgeries as far as I know, but he has gotten some kind of therapy, some kind yeah. of treatment on both of those things. I mean, he was clearly beat up. Um, by the end of the season, he was playing through some pain. He had, he's had a sore knee for a while. The wrist has been kind of a problem for a couple of years now. And so I think he's trying to, you know, get those situations nipped in the bud. One thing that he was really proud of, uh, about how the season went was that he was able to get sort of back to after the COVID, um, uh, absence, he was really able to get back to kind of the guy who was always on the court. He takes a lot of pride in that. He played 74 games, uh, during the season and his first three seasons in the league, he didn't miss a game. So, um, he was, you know, he, he, that was just him getting back out there, being out there day in and day out. He loves to do that. Uh, he, he takes pride in being available, but his body certainly, uh, takes a lot of punishment. He falls to the floor a lot. He gets, you know, he plays uh, a, a physical position. He gets, be- you know, beaten and banged around and stuff like that. And so I do think that he had some things that he had to take care of uh, once the season ended, but nothing kind of s- serious in terms of, you know, any real surgeries or things that are going to keep him out for a long stretch of time. He's just getting some much needed treatment right now. Good, good to hear. Yeah, I'd heard surgery, but it's uh, probably better for him if he can rehab it without. Uh, and, it, you know, we've said it before on the show. Uh, when you make what Carl makes, when you're the, you know, the recognized franchise player, when you're first pick, uh, we're all going to, you know, pick at your game. We're all going to critique the way you play the game. But it, it's kind of cool to have a super an NBA superstar in this town or an NBA star in this town who's a, who's got a good heart. You know, you, you don't mm. question him as a human being. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think like that is an important kind of distinction because he faces a lot of criticism. Um, you know, whether you know people say he's soft or you know he you know certainly he did not play well in Game Six, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, a, you know, against Memphis and he deserve. you know, you can say, yeah, absolutely valid criticism, need more out of him in those situations. Uh, there have been, you know, various frustrations about him and the lack of success in this team for most of the seven years. Um, but if, if anyone spends any bit of time around him and gets to know him at all and just watches you know, his actions over his words, uh, you really do realize that, he does have a good heart that he does want to do the right thing that he does enjoy uh, investing his time and his money into community projects, especially that help people of color in um, disadvantaged areas. He grew up in Piscataway, New Jersey, uh, and, you know, certainly was not wealthy by any means had, you know, he's told stories about having to wait for food stamps and, and, and free meals and things like that. Um, when he was growing up with, with, with his parents. And I think that he's really taking it upon himself to try and help people who are either in his position or certainly much worse off than he was growing up. And so, you know, the thing about Carl is not one time in his seven years, have you heard him mutter anything about 
any disenchantment with Minnesota, with this community, with, you know, the empty arenas, with the cold weather, with you know anything that goes on. He has actually gone the opposite way and he's invested and he has stayed here and he wants to be here and he wants to, he, he enjoys it when, you know, he shows up to a place and kids go crazy for him. So, um, so all of that is to say that he just really does take that part of the, uh, the role that an NBA superstar has, um, to seriously. And he, it's not lip service. He does a lot of the work himself and, he deserves recognition for that. No doubt about it. I want to get to Gerson Rosas, believe it or not. Uh, some front office news and some NBA playoff news. First, let's hear about Head Flyer Brewing. Yeah, Head Flyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis, right on Hennepin Avenue Northeast, just off of the 35W North exit. Um, very easy to get to. Great tap room. Just wonderful beers. My wife and I were just there on Saturday celebrating our wedding anniversary. Uh, we had spent spent the day kind of running around town and and finished the evening off at Head Flyer. Grabbed a crunch time uh, beer. It's a super easy drinking Blue Moon style beer that uh, the John Krasinski Show has collaborated with Head Flyer on. It's an awesome thing to kind of walk into the tap room at Head Flyer and see crunch time there, and then read kind of the description and you know how you know it's a partnership with myself and with with talk north to get you know to to do this i never thought i'd have any kind of role in in a beer but go in and check it out at uh you know you can you can get it on tap you can get all a lot of their beers in cans and growlers to bring home with you you can find them also in metro area liquor stores as well great beers they had a food truck out there on saturday with some unbelievable wings um, that we had while uh, sipping beer on the patio. Great patio. It was perfect weather. You can watch games on their big screen TVs, hockey, basketball playoffs, whatever is on. Hang out there with your friends. Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. Highly recommend it. Thanks to TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR Injury Law help me if I'm hurt by a defective product? Yes. How about by a dog bite? Yeah. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612-TSR-TIME. And I want to let you know that solar is a great home improvement project. We're heading into the summer. Building a remodeling season when considering property upgrades for home or business, solar should be under consideration. Some facts, most home improvement projects don't pay for themselves till the property is sold. Solar pays back regardless of property sale. Most systems are warrantied for 25 to 30 years. After 30 years of operation, solar could have paid back 300 to 400% of the cost. And of course, guess what? It's great for the environment. It reduces our oil dependency on places like Russia. Uh, so, hey, be, you want to be patriotic, install solar. Uh, if you do plan to move at some point, uh, increasing installing solar will increase your resale value. Uh, average increase in resale value is $4,020 to $5,911 for each one kilowatt of power you get in your solar. Uh, it's uh, installing solar panels is viewed as an upgrade by buyers. Uh, homes with solar often sell faster than those without, and you get a hundred percent return on your solar investment upon the home your home sale. It's just a smart move. It's also the right move to make. Okay, so I think it was before Game Three in the media dining room at uh, against the Grizzlies at Target Field. Gerson Rosas was there, and he was kind of hanging around, almost like, "Hey, anybody want to talk to me?" I'm sure you noticed that. I felt like it was really awkward. 
but you know, you're more of a, a an on on the ground reporter. Did you talk to him? Did you try to talk to him? Did you think it was weird? What was your whole reaction to that? So, um, I'll, yeah, first of all, th- that was uh, the second time that he had shown up this season. He had also de- done it um, kind of late in the season when the Wolves hosted Dallas. And so that at that moment, at that time when he came in and sat courtside pregame and was kind of, you know, chatting with people and 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 dapping people up and really acting like he owned the place. Um, I uh, frankly thought that it was untoward. I didn't think it was appropriate um, for for him to be there and acting that way. Uh, I think he made a lot of people uncomfortable in the organization who uh, really had a hard time in the, his final days while he was here before he was fired, um, who he put in a who a lot of people who he put in terrible positions um, with some of his actions and some of his conduct on the job and for him to kind of show up and 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 act like nothing had happened uh i did not agree with it 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 was one of the kind of crazy things i've seen in this league at that point at that dallas game i walked by him i said uh hello gerson i shook his hand and i just kept it moving um i just didn't really have much to say to him at that point and then jim when you see him show up for game 3 the first home game home playoff game in uh, four years for the Timberwolves. They had already won game one. There, the 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 excitement, the energy that was kind of surrounding the franchise was at a a fever pitch, and he walks in and is and is there and is sitting courtside again and has James Dolan's son with him, um, and he's giving him a tour of the practice facility and showing him around. The, Tim, the the Target Center Arena and all those things, and basically trying to take a victory lap for everything he did. Uh, that was, quite frankly, it, you know, on the scale of ego and of like gall, um, you know, in, in 20 years of covering this league, that's right at the top. Like, I just <laughs> could not believe sort of the audacity. And, you know, it, he is, he can absolutely say that he had a very big hand in building that team and getting it to where they they could with Anthony Edwards and Chris Finch and Jaden McDaniels and the Torian Prince and, and Patrick Beverly trades, all those things. He made a lot of really good moves and he does deserve credit for that. But that was not the time for him to be showing up and doing that. Um, this, you know, one of the complaints that you heard about him while he was here was that it was all about him and not about the team. And so, um, in that moment, he was, did not have any consideration for any awkwardness that he was bringing to that situation. He didn't have any consideration for, again, a lot of people in that organization that he put in remarkably difficult positions that he really did, you know, not only make them uncomfortable, but also perhaps cost careers um, because of his actions Um, for him to show up in that situation. I just thought was, you know, just unbelievable to me. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll admit like, well, he, you know, when he was doing the work here and certainly in his earlier days, and I got to know him like 
I heard a lot of people, you know, would, would talk about his ego and all these things. And I always kind of just brushed it off. Like everybody in the NBA has an ego. It's not a big deal, but as the time went on and as you saw more of it, and then certainly in the exit and then seeing him, um, kind of have do the things that he did in that playoff game, uh, late in the regular season to coming in and putting people in really difficult positions. It really, uh, didn't sit well, like just, just to see that happen. And, and so I just thought all in all, it was a really bad look. I know that he does not care about that. Um, and that is going to be maybe one of the reasons that he actually survives all of this and, and keeps moving forward in this league. Um, but just in terms of the right and the wrong things to do, I just thought he was completely in the wrong for that. Fascinating. Just fascinating because I see him and it always, I felt like, and this, maybe I'm wrong. I felt like he was trying to make eye contact with me because I, I didn't cover him as a beat writer. The, you know, when I did talk to him, he was very friendly. He was very open. Um, and you know, I didn't get to know him, get to know him well enough to judge that as ego. He just seemed friendly when I was around him in brief stints. And I saw him standing over there and he was kind of standing in an area where you couldn't miss him. And he couldn't yeah. like, you couldn't bust your own plates without walking right by him. And, you know, listen, what do we do? We, we talk to people. We try to write interesting things. I'm thinking, okay, as a writer, should I be looking at this as here's the archi- one of the architects of the team who was disgraced. He's standing there as if he wants to talk. How do you as a writer not talk to him? And I thought, but I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to. And I don't think it's an important story. And I think it would be I would think it would be serving his purposes, not really bring any new light to any situation. We already know that he made some good moves. I thought, no, I can't talk myself into it. And it's interesting to hear you, you went, you know, as a beat writer and someone who's, you know, the premier uh, Timberwolves writer basically of all time. It's kind of fascinating to hear you go through the same machinations. Yeah, it, it was absolutely that, um, Jim. And because, look, he has not spoken publicly since he got fired. I have reached out to him once or twice. Um, I, I, I assume that he is not happy that I was the one that did a lot of the reporting on why it went poorly. Um, and, and so, like, I don't think that there is, you know, he's in any hurry to talk to me specifically. But it sure did feel like in that in on that night, I think you're exactly right. It he was lingering around the media area kind of waiting for people to chat with now, maybe not on the record or anything, but certainly to kind of start to like dip his toes back in to that water. And I will say this, Jim, like during his three years here before um, everything really went South, um, I appreciated the transparency that Gerson Rosas had with us beat writers. Um, he was a very available general manager. He was constantly um, quoted uh, in in our stories on radio, on TV, on all of those things. And maybe that was, maybe you could say, hey, that's a little overboard or maybe you went a little bit too far, but I'm always going to err on the side of if if you're available and you're letting fans and readers know um, and certainly educating the media on what your positions are and how you're thinking through this, I'm never going to criticize you for that. Like, I just think that that's an important role um, for public figures like the president of basketball operations of the NBA team to do that. And so he did that. And I respected that part of the way that he went about things. Um, and, and I learned a lot about what he thought about 
assembling a team and about what needed to happen. Um, maybe I didn't always agree with either the moves that he made or some of the conclusions that he drew, but at least he let us know why he was thinking that. And that's all I can ask for as a beat writer. Um, and so in those moments and in those things, I, I very much appreciated that, that part of it. In this situation, it felt more like he was trying again to make it about himself and and to really inject himself back into this when I feel like the right approach would have been just to let it all happen organically and hope that the people who follow it closely and understand things get that, you know, how big of a fingerprints he had on that roster and, 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 you know, figure that your work will speak for itself. And so in that moment, I was not about to give him any kind of attention that way. This wasn't that, that moment game three uh, of Timberwolves Grizzlies was not about him. It was about those players and those coaches and really generally these fans who have been waiting for a moment like this forever and, and just embracing it and going forward. And so um, just that, that was the thing that just did not, I, I, I did not agree with. It's just that, you know, Hey, th this moment right here, this is not about you. Like it's not your time to have this. And so, um, you know, that that's just that just wasn't the right thing and so that's why i did not you know pursue and even though i i doubt that he would have granted me um an audience that way or or anything like that but it just like all of that felt just like unnatural to me and 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 it just did not seem like the right moment in time to be flexing uh and and that's exactly what he was doing in that situation but jim you know, you look at this and maybe it's starting to work out for him because uh, when he got fired here last year, um, right before the season started, for all of the things that have been well reported, you figure, man, he is going to have to you know, go down into the gutter and climb all the way back up. Maybe he's got to go to Europe for a few years. Maybe he's got to um, do a bunch of different things before he gets back in the league and gets an opportunity. And now he's, um, he's like a consultant for the New York Knicks. Uh, so he's already back in the league. He was back in the league kind of mid season. Uh, what else he today, uh, the, the, the league announced that, um, that they're doing a basketball without borders America's camp and Gerson Rosas is the director of the camp. Um, and that's an NBA sponsored event. And so the league has decided that, you know, Gerson Rosas's uh, connections to South America and, and being Colombian and all of those things, you know, uh, supersede the fantastic, you know, on, you know, volatile exit that, that he had. Um, and, and so he's already doing things that have got him back into the circle a heck of a lot quicker than, I ever anticipated. And so maybe just his ability to totally and completely compartmentalize that and move forward as brazenly as he has is working out for him. And, and maybe it will work out for him in the end, but, uh, um, but to see it happen in real time there uh, in game three in such a big moment for this organization and for those players and coaches um, and for him to try to kind of, 
you know, insert himself into that. I just, I, I, I thought that that was inappropriate. Yeah, I agree completely. Fascinating to hear your thinking, uh, whether agree with, whether you were in line with me or not, but it turns out we kind of have the same thought. Uh, the uh, Timberwolves are making other front office moves. Uh, what jumps out at you at this point? Yeah, the, so the real interesting thing, you and I talked about this last week, just kind of about still the uncertainty around what they're going to be doing with the number one front office job. Sachin Gupta is is in that position right now. Um, it, it is still possible that they bring in someone from outside the organization for uh, for that spot, or they could decide to move forward as is and, and keep the status quo. But in the meantime, while Glenn Taylor and Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez are deliberating all this, um, you know, they are uh, you know, Sachin Gupta has been empowered by them to just kind of go about his business and and conduct his business as normal. So he was the one who made the decision not to um, uh, exercise the contract option for Gianluca Pescucci, who is an assistant GM brought in by Gerson Rosas, uh, really oversaw the draft and oversaw the Iowa G League team. He's a Gianluca is an important part of that front office, had a very big role in some big parts of what they were doing. You know, you look at the Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels draft. He, he had a big role in that. You you look at, um, with the development of like Nas Reed and Jordan McLaughlin and Jared Vanderbilt down in Iowa before they came up and certainly Leandro Bomero there last year, like he had a, a big role in that. And so that's a big figure to make a decision on, um, when, you know, presumably Sachin Gupta still is not exactly sure of his own spot. And so not only did he do that, but he's also hired someone from, uh, he hired uh, someone from the staff of the Memphis Grizzlies, a guy named Steve Senior, who is a very popular person when you talk to the Grizzlies people about, you know, just kind of him as a, as a person, like how well he's thought of. He's kind of a player development type of a guy. And so Sachin Gupta hired Steve senior as a, um, as a, an assistant GM as well, but it's a newly created position. He doesn't slide into Gianluca Pescucci's spot. What he does is like they've, they've created this new assistant GM spot that, um, is kind of connecting the front office to the coaching staff from a player development realm and, and, and trying to make sure that everything is on the same page there. And so Suchin was, empowered to make that hire to sign Steve senior to a multi-year contract. And also Steve senior obviously looked at the situation here and said, uh, I feel confident enough that I'm going to come here, even if it hasn't been publicly stated who is running the show. And so it's just a very interesting setup here because if they do decide to go outside of the front office and bring in a new number one already. The head coach is, is, is under contract for long-term they've, they've, they're, they're kind of hiring and firing people in the front office and getting, and getting some people signed up to multi-year deals. And, and so there's a lot of the infrastructure that is already in place. And so that's just going to be interesting to see if they do go out and look for someone, will an outside candidate be okay with coming in and essentially having so much of the staff already established. Um, and, and so it's just, uh, 
it's really it, it, it's not something that you see very often. And and so I just think that that's interesting and we'll see how that plays out kind of going forward here because the teams are are all convening in Chicago this week for the NBA draft combine and um that's where you know a lot of things are going to get moving here and we'll you know we'll see how how everything is handled but a lot of people around the league are looking at this with some kind of eyebrows raised of just saying like wait a minute now what exactly is going on in Timberwolves land and hopefully sooner rather than later we'll get a definitive um announcement about exactly what that is Really interesting. Uh, we'll probably get heavier into the NBA playoffs next week for this week. Uh, first of all, I want to thank again, Head Flyer Brewing, TSR Injury Law, All Energy Solar, our producer, Brandon Morton. And thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. We've added Dave Lee to our lineup. We have the Go Gopher podcast. We have uh, On the Bench, who's a hockey humor show. Tons of outdoor content, uh, Destination Polaris, The Flush, everything else. Uh, thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. Uh, to wrap up the show with a little NBA talk, I thought going into this playoffs, I would really miss LeBron James, and I really haven't because the the series have been fascinating. Even the blowouts have been fascinating. And now you have Luka uh, going into the Final Four. You got Jimmy Butler going to the Final Four. You have a really good Celtics team, and Jason Tatum, who you know I got to see in Tokyo, looked like one of the best players in the world. Uh, it, it's 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 been fascinating. And then you have the Warriors, who. Uh, <laughs> bounced back from an epic loss and just went ahead and won their series anyway. I mean, so what's, what is, what has jumped out at you about these playoffs? Yeah. I think like the biggest thing right now that I'm noticing is we, there seems to be parody coming into the NBA in a way that we haven't seen it in a, in maybe forever. Um, and I think that is something that a lot of us like basketball junkies have wanted to see happen. And I think there's been a concern in the greater NBA community about, well, people only want to watch the Lakers, the, you know, the, the big market teams or the really super big stars. And that's where you get your ratings and they want dynasties and they want all that. And Hey, some of the numbers support that, but it's been my contention for a long time that, one of the things that harms the NBA and, and prevents it from really sort of getting its hooks into the casual fan is sort of the feeling of inevitability. Okay, if you have three stars like Brooklyn did, you're definitely going to the finals. Oh, if you have LeBron on your team and you do the right moves around him, you're you're definitely going deep into the playoffs and probably to the finals. Like there's nothing that my little team can do to stop that. And now all of a sudden you see, you know, the Boston Celtics were I think 17 and 19 in their first 38 games. And now they're going to the Eastern conference finals. They may be the favorite to win the whole thing. You see the warriors kind of down and you wondering if these little bit older guys are going to be able to string it together. And lo and behold, here they are fighting and scratching and clawing. And it's, this is not like the warriors of the, the KD years where it was just a juggernaut smashing people. It was, these guys are fighting with every ounce of their being to get to where they need to go. And you have a young team like Memphis that is really pushing them to the brink. And so you have that, you have Jimmy Butler leading a rather starless heat team to the conference finals. You have Luca ascending to 
you know, rarefied air and, and being maybe the next great superstar that is going to be carrying teams of lesser talent um, farther than they should go and, and just eradicating the Phoenix Suns, you know, in, in, in doing so like all of that, you know, the unpredictability of that, I think is a hugely important thing for this league. And it, you, it gives people hope that, you know, Hey, what, you know, what happened? What, what happened if, what if the Timberwolves would have closed out some of those games against Memphis and then they get into a series against the Warriors where maybe they have some matchup things they can exploit. Is it completely impossible that they could have made the Western conference finals? Not completely. And that is the kind of thing that absolutely this league needs. And it seems to be going toward, you know, Durant, Irving, uh, Harden did not work. Uh, for multitude of reasons, uh, LeBron James and a- Anthony Davis were a disappointment. A lot of that was injury related, but a lot of that too was just like they just did not look like. And with you, you put Westbrook in there, like that did not work as a group together. You can't just now anymore cluster a bunch of stars together and think that's going to be enough. You need to be a well-run organization, well-coached with guys with good chemistry, and that's what we're seeing in these final four. And I think it's just more exciting. I think it's more compelling. The basketball is better. And I think that it will eventually play out in the ratings over time. If there's more of this that happens, it may not be right away. It may not be a ratings bonanza right off the top, but if more fans start to realize, Hey, my team has a shot. Hey, this is, you know, this is up for grabs. They'll start tuning in more and it'll work out better. I agree with you. I also, one thing, you know, talking to executives off the record over the years is, you know, we talk about ratings as if they're really important and I get they are to a certain extent, but the, the reality is we're talking about such stratospheric profit for every major professional sports league. We shouldn't care if they make 10 million more this year or 10 million less the next year. They're going to end up with with huge ratings relatively. They're going to end up with, uh, a huge TV package, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be fine. If, it, if it's the two smallest markets in the league playing lousy basketball, they're still going to be fine. So we can go ahead and enjoy it and not worry about that stuff. Yeah, I, I think that is like that is absolutely the case. Now, it's never going to be the NFL like that's just not that's not it. And that there are a million reasons for that. A lot of it has to do with the schedule and with mm-hmm. like the series instead of single elimination and all of these things. And the violence. Yes. And the shortest tension span kind of a situation. Um, but uh, but. I, th- I think that it, it, it can it can still get to a better point where there is a gro- a growing audience and there's a lot of more people that are involved and, ha- and excited and having it. But you also preserve kind of the more pure elements of the game as well. And I, I think that the NBA for a while got a little too starry eyed in terms of we have to market the individual players. And that's important. I, I, I think it's a big part of the international success when you market LeBron James the way that you do and Kobe Bryant and, and all of these guys, but um, where they lost their way is marketing the teams and, and, and doing it that way. I, I posted something on Twitter the other day, Jim, whereas uh, you know, looking at the NFL and the teams that have the most nationally televised, like, you know, either Monday night or, or Thursday night or Sunday night games, um, Three of them are Cincinnati, Buffalo, 
And there's one other, it might've been in Kansas city, small, small, small market, green Bay, small market. But like, there's a couple others that were smaller market teams, but they're being featured on the biggest stages because they know that the game itself and the teams uh, will merit that. And I think that the NBA has to get to that level to kind of try to, to, to even that out where, Hey, if the Timberwolves are, are a really good team, put them on national TV a lot. No one wants to watch the, the Lakers flail 20 times a season on national TV. You just don't want to do that. And so, and it's an, it was an insecurity in the league's part before that. We have to have the Lakers on. We have to have the Knicks on. We have to do this. We have to do that. It's just like put your best teams and your best players on no matter where they are and watch the um, openness to those teams and those players grow. And so hopefully, you know, this is a good sign of that. And the more that opportunities like that the league can get for this, I think the better it will be in the long run just for the health of the league. Agree completely. We'll keep talking about that. I have some other offbeat topics I want to get to whenever we have a slow week, but we might have not have a slow week for a while. Wolves keep making news. The NBA playoffs are ongoing, uh, but we're going to keep we're going to keep pounding the beat here. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Also, check out John on the Viking Update show.